hate tiny parties. They force one into constant exertion. I squint, searching for my memories for familiar words. Did you just Jane Austen me? Her dark eyes twinkle. Who's the literary nerd? The quoter or the one who recognizes the quote? That's a good question. It is a good question. And it was a good moment between two friends. Oh. As this, too, is a moment between two friends. Meta. (laughs) (laughs) And a moment with you. Greetings and welcome to the We Read Books podcast. Woo, woo, woo. Here we read books and then we talk about them with each other for our own entertainment and hopefully for yours as well. That's what we're here for. Yep. If you like books and you like talking about books or listening to people talk about books, you are in the right place. Facts. And that is Mad. And that's Wit. Woo! And we are your hosts. <laughs> I say with the most, but <laughs> I don't I don't know what I have to offer you other than my thoughts on books. <laughs> <laughs> um we have some socials that you should check out. Absolutely. Instagram at We Read Books Pod, TikTok at We Read Books Pod, email We Read Books Pod 23 at gmail.com. Email us. Hit us up. Uh, if you did not listen to the synopsis, I begged is a strong word, but I implored you listeners out there to please email us if you would like to. Mm-hmm. We would like to hear from you. We would. As long as you're nice. If you're mean, no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, I think you should probably know from the title, but this week we're talking about Legendborn. Yeah, yeah. And this is our 11th book. That's a lot. Yeah. I I don't know why I feel like we are still on our third one. I know. Every time I edit and we post a new episode, I'm just like, Astonished! I'm like, wow, we're this many episodes in now? I know. It feels very weird. It does. But, you know, that's what happens when you keep doing something. It stacks (laughs) up. (laughs) I'm proud of us for keeping after it. Me too. Look at us. Yeah. We've reached 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dorian Gray was technically our 10th episode because Mm -hmm. we had Discovery of Witches was in two episodes. And we had a movie episode in there. Yes. And then this one is our second one that is in two episodes. Right. We're still figuring out how we want to do this. Our Mm -hmm. episodes are getting longer because the books have been getting longer. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to find the best method of making it to where you're not having to listen to a four-hour episode. Right. Not to say that maybe maybe you wouldn't mind a four-hour episode, but this way it's broken up into easier chunks to digest. Right. And, um, you know, some books come kind of pre-structured like that. This book generally, I I think it has like three parts. So theoretically, we could have done like part one, part two, part three, but... um, We didn't. We didn't. 
we did the synopsis in a separate episode, yeah. so go listen to the synopsis if you've not read Legendborn, because we're not going to talk about plot points. Correct. We have picked out discussion topics that we, things we found interesting in the book, and we're going to talk about the magic system, but other than that, general plot, we're not going to go through. No. So, if you don't know what happens, this is going to not make a lot of sense for you. It'll be a little confusing. So, yeah. hop over Listen to the synopsis episode first. Yeah, that's then, an end-to-end. Yeah, and then come back and listen to the discussion here that we're going to do right now. Right now. Um, okay, so I didn't fill in the info about the novel, but this was <laughs> written by Tracy Dion and published in 2020, so it's pretty new. Pretty new, but... It's so good. great. And it does have a sequel out already, Bloodmarked. We've not read it, so we... Uh, no worries for spoilers, because we don't have them for you. Yeah, we don't have any spoilers. But, um, so yeah, it does have a sequel out. It's very popular in book talk. Like, if you go through any book tags on TikTok where people are talking about, like, books that exceed the hype or five-star books that I read this year, Legendborn always, always makes the list. Yeah, I like, think I watched one the other day popular. that it it was one of the ones that either mm-hmm. lived up to the hype or exceeded the hype, I can't yeah. remember. But yeah. it was definitely on a positive end of the list. It, yeah. And I did read that there is potentially a TV network that is picking this up Ooh. as a TV series. So I don't know if that's confirmed or if that's speculation or wishful thinking, but I did read it. Um, I haven't seen any, in any of the other articles that I read for this book, mm-hmm. I didn't see any other discussion. It was just in one spot. So I think it would be a good one or a very cool one to see, to get yes. to actually see. Agreed. I just hope that they stay true to the book because based on the first episode of Discovery of Witches, I was not impressed on their interpretation. Yeah. Even though it was mostly accurate, they were yeah. kind of throwing some wild things out there. Don't do this to this mm-hmm. beautiful, wonderful, incredibly written book, please. Please. It I... was written impeccably. You don't need to add or detract. Just do. Right. Just do the book. Right. And we all know that history is littered with film adaptations that just do not live up to the standard of the book. Follow the book or write your own story. That's all I have to say to you. Yeah, do something. If you're going to adapt, adapt the book. If you want to tell a different story. Don't be making wild changes out here. Go write a different story. Yeah. Like, leave leave it alone. Yeah. And do it as is because that's the thing that's popular. That's the thing you want to make a book or a show or movie for. Yeah. So do the thing. Exactly. That's what I don't understand about whenever people make film adaptations, like the reason why the book itself is popular is because the book is good and there's a whole bunch of people that love that story as it's written. Right. So why would you change it? You wouldn't and you shouldn't. There's no reason for you to change it. And you 100% better have Tracy a part of this show. Yeah. For real skis. And Tracy, please don't make any changes either. Because Lee Bardugo, who did... Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone and Six of Crows. Mm -hmm. She said, these are not a one-to-one adaptation. This is a universe of its own. I don't know if she said that from the get-go or after season Mm -hmm. one was done. 
But my friend, Ashley, who is full diehard, loves Six of Crows. Like, she loves this book series and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was even hard for her to, like, fully wrap her mind around the fact that, like, different things were happening than the books. And she probably accepted it way better than I did. And I'm not even as hardcore a fan as she is. But it Mm -hmm. just, yeah, I'm not saying Lee Bardugo did anything wrong. But I just, yeah, again, if you're going to adapt something, at least she came out and said it's it's going to be kind of a thing of its own. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if you're adapting something that is so beloved, like, keep it the same. Unless right. there's just something that is unable to be replicated on screen. And then go with the animation. Right. I was going to say, then don't do it. Yeah, don't, yeah. Don't do it that That's way. Right. Do it a different way or yeah. don't do <laughs> I mean, what, why do we think like the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson has never been adapted is because the magic system of that book is so unique and it's not visual. It's internal to Ooh. the person. So uh, it has to do with like metals and stuff. It's very, very cool. Neat. Highly Sorry, recommend. My eyes yeah. are getting huge. Because <laughs> I haven't read these. Uh, highly recommend Mistborn. I really... It, I think most, it's the only Brandon Sanderson I've ever read. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a comparison, but most people say it's not his best work because it's his first works, mm-hmm. which makes sense. But I really enjoyed it. Was it the best fantasy I've ever read? No, of course. Hello, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but it's excellent. And it, I think part of what makes it so good is because it's so unique, the way mm-hmm. that he wrote the magic system with like the metals and the way the metals, like it's, 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 it, incredibly unique but i just don't see any way that could be made Mm -hmm. into an adaptation it might even be difficult for it to be animated because how do you demonstrate that there's metals inside of your body and you're using that to like propel yourself yeah unless you do like a a 2000s like zoom in where you go into the body (laughs) right yeah it just it's like a funky little thing yeah and not every good book needs to be adapted to a movie correct either because i made a movie in my brain while i was reading this exactly so you know do i need a show or movie no what i would I watch it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I think we've seen so many missteps, especially in the fantasy genre, yeah. especially. Yeah. Even ones that are really successful and really enjoyable, like Harry Potter, like, it was still very serious missteps. Yeah. Uh, movie and show executives, lean in. Let me just tell you, they don't need your help. They were successful without you. Yeah. So just take your paws off a little bit. Yeah. You Please. Tracy Dion, she toiled for years to write this book. She perfected it. Everything about it is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And you don't need to bring in your screenwriters and to change her shit because it's already exactly what it needs to be. Right. Make it screen friendly. That's it. Yeah. Job done. It. Yeah. Tweaks for the screen. That's it. You don't need to add anything. You don't need to take anything out. No. Because she did the work. Right. And she deserves the proper accolades. Heck yeah. God. (laughs) The studios, they they just need, they need to know. Right. They need to be told. And I'm sure that they're part of our listener audience, so I'm glad that that they heard (laughs) what we had to say. Listen, here. (sighs) We're going to start a campaign, and we're going to start inundating the film studios 
who handle these types of things. We'll just tag the crap out of them. We're just going to, we're going <laughs> to target HBO. We're going to hit Hulu. We're going to hit Amazon. We're going to hit whatever other yeah. studios there are. And we're just going to maybe like email yeah. bash them. Pause off. Excuse me. <laughs> Please do not mess this up. Right. I need you to leave it as great as it is already. Yeah. Thank you. Once you have finalized the script and you've sent it to Tracy, send it to us. Yes. And we'll, we will tell you. Yes. <laughs> we, I'll call Tracy. We'll like support Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> Tracy, what are your thoughts? How does this make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Not to gatekeep, but fully to gatekeep. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, okay. So I guess we'll talk about our characters. Jumping right in to Legendborn. Because yeah, we're not going to give you a synopsis, but we will go over the characters. We will. This discussion. We will. Um, first up, our protagonist is Brie Matthews. Also called Maddie occasionally by her BFF, Alice Chin. Oh, yeah. We also have Bree's dad, Edwin, and her mother, Faye. Yes. Thank Sadly. you for adding those in. Yeah. I did Google them because I couldn't remember her mom's name. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Faye did pass before the book even started. Yeah, yeah. You find that out, page one. Page one. So, yeah. There it is. Not a spoiler. But we do get to encounter her, and I liked her. I know. she. I'm sure she was just the sweetest. Yeah. Then Alice Chen, BFF, roommate. Person who tries to push Bree to be her best self. She does. She does. <laughs> um, also... Speaker of the quote we opened with. Yes. Yes, indeed. And Nick Davis. He is... Love interest? Love interest? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is the first love interest. <laughs> he's the first I'm in denial, so he's the love interest. <laughs> By the time I got to the end, I, like, jumped the Nick ship, and I was fully on the cell ship. No! <laughs> Listen, I like Cell, but I also think that they're allowed to just be friends. No, I agree. But there's for a sure. thing about I know I understand Cell. I mean, we've already discussed that we find men with dark hair attractive. He has amber eyes, not green eyes, like we like. But still, still, he's got the mysterious factor. Yes, he's mysterious. He's and got moody, the you know? brooding. Yeah, yeah, and is softened by you know, yeah, getting closer to someone. So and that's there's very attractive quality. There's like a palpable. Like electric tension. current yes. between them. There's a literal electric literal current. Literal electric current we between them. We didn't talk about that. I know. Okay, well, we can talk Damn about it. it here. Yeah. Um, I've already said his name. So uh, Selwyn Kane is another character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nick Davis is not only love interest number one, but he's also the uh, scion to King Arthur Pendragon. Yes, he is. So he's and got a little bit of magics of his own. He's... The king. The king. Well, actually, no, he's not. Not the king. (laughs) We're not worried about spoilers here. Yeah, we've already done this. This is the discussion. Yeah. If you're here, spoilers abound. So actually, Nick, who we thought was the scion of Arthur, is actually the scion of Lancelot. Lancelot. And uh, his dad's name is Martin Davis, and he's just a piece of poop. He's the worst. The worst. He's the worst. 
in the world. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just think of Sean Ralphio. Yeah. <laughs> Love him. Love him. Oh, uh, he's the best. Jean Ralphio is not in this book. No. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you know, you know. Um, so, yeah, Selwyn yeah. is the king mage or like the mage to supposed Art. to be the king to Arthur, the scion of Arthur, which, but at the end of this book, he is still magic bound we're not sure if he's magic bound still to nick or if now he is magic bound to Bree, or if he's like free of his oath right. and he's free to take the oath to Bree. right not sure right because Bree is the scion of arthur right i was gonna say since since we're kind of doing this differently doing the introductions to the characters <laughs> we're forgetting that we can be a little more detailed yeah here. we can talk a little so bit so yeah Bree is him. the scion of arthur so yeah, yeah we're not sure by the end of the book if cell is who he's yeah kind of supposed to be the merlin too but he is a magical merlin part demon man and he is the potential second love interest it is heavily alluded to i believe there is some it's palpable yeah there's some tension there's some eye looks but really nick and brie are together and yes they they express a love for each other that we will we will definitely dig deeper into but Yes, there is a something with Cell. But she hasn't really entertained it. It's not... No. I like that at least they can allude to it okay. Fine. But they aren't having her indulge it. Correct. At least not yet. So I kind of like that she's still being very loyal to the relationship that she's developing with Nick. So, um, and then we'll just kind of go into some of the other scions which are, uh, just a reminder, the the bloodline lineage of King Arthur and his knights are scions. They're legendborns. So we've got William, who he is a healer, and I believe he's the scion of Gawain. And then we've got Witty, Greer, Vaughn, Felicity, Sarah, Tor, Russ, Fitz, Evan. Uh, there might be some more. But I think those are really the only ones that we interact with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then also we have, so those are all the scions and squires. I don't remember who's necessarily tied to who. And right. it's not really going to pertain to this discussion because I don't think we're going to talk about them very much. Yeah. No. Um, and then we have um, Bree's counselor and sort of mentor into Rootcraft, uh, Patricia. Mm-hmm. And then... There's also Mariah who yeah. helps in that arena too. But those are really our our main players. Mm-hmm. As well Righto. as who's the one that works with Martin? Isaac. He's another Berlin who is owed to Martin Davis. Right. Nick's dad. I think now we're slated to kind of talk about the world a little bit and how the yeah. magic works. Yeah. Um, th- it's not... Um, your typical like magic system it's mm. a lot different than w- what you would generally be used to reading fantasy yeah so we kind of have like four different areas of magic here so we have the order which their magic is technically bloodcraft mm-hmm. but it's not the same sort of bloodcraft as Bree's family bloodcraft true it's sort it, of different yeah because uh, I think Patricia and Mariah describe the Order's bloodcraft as being stolen, mm-hmm. whereas 
Bree's family's bloodcraft is more bargained. True. True. And I don't know that she really makes that distinction. I just feel like Patricia just says blood magic or bloodcraft is a stealing of magic. Yeah. Yeah. Period. She does. I don't think she really says like, oh, but your family. Right. Kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's kind of perceived that bloodcraft is has a higher cost mm-hmm. because, yeah, you're just taking magic. You're not making a trade. Whereas with rootcraft, there is a trade. You're not only are you kind of borrowing from your connection with your ancestors, but I, doesn't she also kind of like use herbs and different mm-hmm. things that kind of dry up like they're using yeah. the essence of it as well so yeah it, you're making a trade while also blending and borrowing from your right your family line and whenever you, the root craft you, the only time you have the power is when you're connected to your ancestors so when that connection is broken like and you're going about your day-to-day life you don't just have power so you're you borrow it and use it for the time being and then you give it back Mm -hmm. whereas like the blood craft it's in your it's in your blood so you can kind of call it whenever with no ancestral connection right but there is a high cost high cost it shortens your lifespan Mm mm-hmm and I think that's the biggest cost, but I feel yeah. like there are other ones as well, like just kind of maybe sprinkled, maybe not. But yeah. It, yeah. Ju- it just seems like your your lifespan is the biggest toll paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have Bloodcraft, Rootcraft, and then the Shadowborn are the demons and right. their magic is their own. We don't, it doesn't really ever talk about their magic. Correct. So, but they are there and they exist. Yep. So the order technically uses bloodcraft but they have a very like they have a structure yeah, hierarchy. Like a hierarchy or whatever mm-hmm. so at the very top you have the scions which are the legendborns the people that their ancestor you know they their lineage is they came from someone who was a scion mm-hmm. and so forth and so forth it's not bestowed upon it's it's in the bloodline. Yeah. You can it's, not just anyone can be a scion. Like, it right. has to follow the bloodline. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the scions are the highest. And there's kind of, like, obviously a hierarchy of scions as well, because there are 13 of them based on King Arthur and his knights. Right. So, so King Arthur is number one, mm-hmm. and then Lancelot, and then it goes all the way down to whoever the 13th is. Yeah. And they get called upon in times of great need or, mm-hmm. you know, because of the need of having to fight the Shadowborn. Right. But when they're called upon, they go in reverse order. So it'll start with the biggest number, the 13th knight will be called upon first. And that kind of shows, like, how dire the danger is, uh, how high, the you know, how high it gets up the ranks. Mm-hmm. Once you get to Arthur, it's Camlin and all-out war. Yeah. So... Yeah. And then each scion has a sworn uh, squire. Yes. That they choose. Right. From a group of pages. Right. You'll start as a page, which is, you know, chosen by a scion to compete for that next level of being a squire. Mm -hmm. But not every page chosen gets to become a squire. Right. Right. So they go through, like, the selection after their trials or whatever. They go through the selection, and then the scions get to choose which squire 
they want. And then if the squire accepts, then they are bonded. And then they share magical ability. Mm -hmm. Is it only when called that they have those magical? Because Nick can produce like a weapon. So they must have some blood craft. They just don't have the next level of power. So they do have a bit of magic. They can, I think they can produce weapons. Yeah, they can like... And, you know, they're fighting. I mean, I'm sure that they train for their fighting ability as well. But they do have a bit of magic. I Mm -hmm. don't know that they really give us much more than, you know, it's really battle focused. Yeah, it's very combative. But once they're called, basically being called means that the knight that you are in the bloodline of is called literally to your body via possession. They aren't necessarily always conscious, but they are called to your body. And then you possess the power that is correlated with them like Mm -hmm. for William it's healing is his main power Mm -hmm. and then for some of the other ones it's speed one of the other ones it's you know strength strength and 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 so on and so forth so each one is when called then given an extra specific power yeah um and then we have the Merlins which is what Cell is. Cell and Isaac are the only two Merlins we actually meet on page but they are part demon and that's why they can manipulate ether and produce ether and they use mesmer to like haze people's memories and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so that's what they do and they're bonded to people generally like cell is bonded to nick as the quote-unquote heir of arthur Mm -hmm. so he's his king's mage right and isaac is the same for martin right and then, like you said, like, Breeze is different, like, because she can use ether. And I guess, can yeah. the others not? Use? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because of her bloodcraft. Yeah. So we discussed this in the last, in the synopsis, but Breeze ancestor makes a bargain. She makes a rootcraft deal to then getting gain access to bloodcraft to keep her and her unborn child and subsequently the bloodline after safe from those who would seek them, which would be the members order. of the order. Because mm-hmm. as we talked about in the synopsis as well, the order was primarily white Caucasian men. Men. Essentially, yeah. yeah. There's like, a, and I put it as a discussion point in here, there's a conversation between Bree and Nick where he's kind of like, kind of telling her a little of the history and he tells her that it is still really male dominant because in the beginning if the first born or who would essentially be the heir was a girl they would essentially eliminate her until a male heir was produced which is disgusting so that's horrifying yeah which of course they don't do that anymore but sure yeah but still it's 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 foundation is icky. It's yeah, it's <laughs> full of the just grossest, you know. And uh like with Bree and her family, the only reason that she is the scion of Arthur is because her ancestor was enslaved to a scion of Arthur and was assaulted. Right. So it's just is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So. Yeah, that's a scion of Arthur that assaulted her would have probably taken that baby and 
Probably, I would imagine, probably her. Yeah, yeah. And gotten her out of the picture. And then, you know, I don't know what he would have done with the baby, to be honest. I mean. I feel like probably would have killed the baby as well. But he seemed, that's why I couldn't tell, like, if, because he seemed, she said in the flashback that he seemed excited about the pregnancy, I thought. Hmm. Yeah. But maybe not. I'd have to look at it again, I guess, but. So I thought he was excited because, yeah, it's like him and his wife did not end up having a child. Or if right. they did, that scion went to the first the first child, child born. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what his intentions would have been. She just knew that they were going to be bad. And mm-hmm. she was like, I'm not yeah. going to be at his mercy and neither will my child mm-hmm. or any children following. Yeah. Because knowing where they came from, she assumed that they would just probably come to eliminate them. Yeah. To regain power over the line of Arthur. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This That scene in the book is harrowing, but really powerful. Like mm-hmm. when she's making the deal, yeah. especially listening to it on the audiobook. I mm-hmm. only listened to certain sections in the audiobook, but that part was really emotional. It really was. The, uh, I don't remember her name, but the actress who did the reading. Great mm-hmm. job. Yeah, she was really good. Let me see if it'll actually like pull up my my library. Audiobooks. And narrated by Johnice Abbott Pratt. Yeah. She did a great job. Yeah, very I, good. I didn't even listen to the whole book, but just from the snippets that I listened to. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I uh, whenever I did the reread before recording this, since I read Legendborn so long ago, um, I listened to the audiobook and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Oh, we're at Vassals and the Order of the Rose. Oh, sorry, I kind of um, derailed this no, a little bit. <laughs> that's okay. We're not structured in the discussion portion. Sure. Um, so also sort of in the order are like vassal families, which is people who they know about the order. Maybe they have like kind of a branch off of a family yeah. and they kind of support the order financially, probably yeah, donations. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they see it as kind of a trade, like as a chance mm-hmm. to maybe become a page to maybe become, become a, squire. a squire. Right. And I kind of think of them in like a regular like kingdom. They would be like a courtier maybe. Like yeah. They're not royalty, but they have a bit of status within mm-hmm. the world. And they're like influential people in the mm-hmm. world. So I think they still help the order and the order kind of helps get them into um, prestigious positions in mm-hmm. society as well. So it's kind of a give and take mm-hmm. um, relationship. They serve the order and the order rewards them in different yeah. ways. Yeah, essentially. And kind of a branch off of that is the order of the rose, mm-hmm. which is the women. Right. Cause as you had said, typically back, back before they stopped killing the female babies, you know, they because they wanted the scions to be male, mm-hmm. the women didn't really have a place. And, you know, so for them to be useful, they kind of that felt gross saying it that way. Yeah. Um, but for them to feel yeah. like they had yeah. a purpose or to help, they had the Order of the Rose. Right. Which were women that I forget what was. What was the services that they provided? I don't really remember. I don't know that he talks about the services 
through the ages, but I think at this point, the like present tense, they kind of put on parties and the events and yes, yes. And the scene where we actually encounter them is one of the like banquets that is held at the lodge and the, they're like older white women coming in and they think that Brie is the help. And it's, yeah, just so cringy Mm -hmm. and nick has to step in and be like she's my page right so right but then to just automatically assume that yeah and does brie does have a moment where she does notice that all the servers at the party yeah are people of color yeah yeah i know um it's uh it's uncomfy yeah, it, it does put a magnifying glass on moments that are very uncomfortable. Yeah. And really happen to people. Yeah, and this isn't, it's uh, interesting being someone who is not a person of color reading it. Right. Because this isn't something that we likely notice, really. Right. Because generally, especially in the Midwest, the spaces that we move in, almost everyone that we deal with the day-to-day look just like us. Mm-hmm. We don't really experience being the minority in a room other than, I mean, being the only woman in the room that yeah. we experience, right. but it's different right. well, in, in any given place that we go. Generally, you know, we're generally the majority. Yeah. You know, it's gonna, it, I can imagine that it has to be very uncomfortable to be the only person of color in a room. To feel like you don't have anyone to relate to in that room. Yeah. That has to be really difficult. And I feel like this the uh, the scenes where we're experiencing Brie experience that, I feel like are really great scenes. They're very well written. Very well written. And because all of them made me like do the... Yeah. Like the hunch. Like, yeah. ooh. You, re- you really feel what Brie is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, come on, Tracy. I don't know where you learned to write so well. <laughs> it's just a God-given innate talent. But yeah. she does she does handle all of those, like, very difficult subjects yes. very well. Like, yes. Brie's mom's death and her dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And just... Yeah, she... She handles it so well. She writes emotion very well. Yeah. Her internal dialogue, even. Yeah, internal dialogue, for sure. Super well-written. But Even Sal's turmoil, like, I don't feel like... Because we've talked about this before, like, you know, there's that character that's, like, moody and mean, and, you know, like, sometimes they push that line between, like, violence and romance and mm-hmm. attraction, and she doesn't make it like that. Like, Sal yeah. has... A bit of a anger issue gets a little drunk on either, but he, I don't think she ever tries to make his flaws seem sexy. No, those are I don't things think so. that the characters have to overcome to mm-hmm. soften towards each other and then become closer. Yeah, it's not a ooh, I want to fix him. It's like a hey, you're a dick. Yeah, I think that's. And then it's like okay, we have. We both have a loss of a mother, and that's Mm -hmm. something that we, you know, her, we didn't mention this in the synopsis, but her and Nick also have that. Loss of a mother, yeah. I forgot that we did not talk about Nick's mom. Yeah. Which. Damn it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a big twist, too, but I don't think Nick got to learn 
about it really or like because wasn't there a reveal correct Nick didn't ever really get to get the the evidence revealed to him yeah that um his mom left his mom tried to take him and leave right because she didn't want him to be in the order right I also wonder if she knew whether I don't think she did know that he was a scion, the scion of Lancelot, not Arthur. Right. She truly thought he was the scion of Arthur, and she yeah. didn't want that for him. Yeah. She didn't want his life to be cut short. Right. And I think she saw her husband and knew. Yeah. What he wanted. Yeah. What he wanted Camlin to come. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all three of them, Nick, Cell, and Bree, all have a loss of a mother in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Bree's mother was just a pure accident. Yeah. Well, it was a pure accident, but slightly magically induced because yeah. only one person in her bloodline can be... With the power. Or, yeah, with the power at a time. Yep. Bree became a, of age of the power, and so her mom died. Cell's mom, actually, I don't even know if she's dead. I don't... I, she's, I think she's alive, I think but she's alive. she was physically taken out of Cell's life mm-hmm. through lies and deceit. And framing. But I think we're going to see her again. I think she's going to come back up again, honestly. Because she was the one that was in that vision. She was with Bree's mom. Yes. And that was, uh, we definitely got to talk about that because I that's one of my favorite scenes. It yeah. just touched me so much. And I, I think, because I think she kept, she's the one who... Was keeping up with Bree's mom. Yeah, I think you're right. Keeping up, but she on also her. was kind of kept away for yeah, a while. Too. For a while, yeah. But yeah, and then Nick's mom tried to whisk him away. So then they, Nick was told that they just she tried to whisk them away. So they wiped her memory of everything, mm-hmm. and yeah. that his dad wasn't part of that but i think we find out that his dad was part of that i think so yeah, yeah basically nick's mom is stripped of every memory of him and the order and everything yeah simply because she was trying to take him away to protect him yeah and he was the scion of arthur right. so so his mom i guess isn't dead either but she's she might as well be because might, she yeah. doesn't know him isn't aware of him yeah Nothing. So right. all of them have lost their mothers in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I think that it's... I'm interested to see how their trio of relationship grows. I agree. I just... I just don't... I don't know how it's going to manifest itself. Because I think, you know, as the listener has probably already picked up, I fully believe that... Nick is first love interest, meaning there is a second. And obviously it's Cell. (laughs) So how is this dynamic going to work? There's, I mean, is there going to be someone come up that is, that Nick has that sort of magnetism with? And Mm -hmm. so then it's kind of like a clean sort of break, Mm -hmm. you know, or is it, they're going to be a lot of resentment and bitterness, but Brie and Nick, have to work together because he's Lancelot and yeah. I would just like to see them succeed. <laughs> he's the nice guy that's not secretly a douchebag. Like he truly is a nice guy. He really is. And I really love that if you'll indulge me, I'll read the little passage that she 
like at the end of the book that she has to say about Nick because I just like it. I can get there. These are the facts. Nick helped me find more truths than I'd known to look for, and now he's the one who's lost. Even though his heritage crumbled beneath the weight of my truths, if it were me and Isaac's clutches at the risk of being hunted by the Morganes, Nick would fight to bring me home, and so I will fight to rescue him. I don't know if it's our inherent inheritances or our bloodlines or what we forged together all on our own, but I can feel Nick's absence like an open wound in my chest. I love him. Nick is in my heart and I am in his. It, this is irrefutable, no matter how it happened or when or why. And I won't lose someone that I love again. Not when I have the power to save them. I, I just really like that. And even if they don't stay... Romantic. romantic. I would like to see them stay on good ground. I yeah. don't want a nasty fallout because I just feel like their connection is too important and too... I can't even think of the word, but I just, I just feel like their connection is so interwoven that... I just don't, I don't want it to see it go bad just because a romantic feeling is unrequited. Like I would mm-hmm. like to see it, if it does end, I would like to see it end respectfully. Yeah. And if she's going to move on to sell, that's fine. But I, I think that we have a lot of literature out there where the girl <laughs> goes for the like slightly little bit of like bad boy or slight em- enemies to lovers thing. And I would yeah. just like to see lovers to stay lovers. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I, uh, I really like Cell and I, I really, I do really like Cell too. I think the, I think I was anticipating her with Cell mm-hmm. at some point throughout the story. Cause she locked eyes with him first. Because yes. And because the first thing she thinks about him is that he's unsettlingly beautiful. Yeah. And there's like that weird, like electricity that she feels whenever he looks at her. Right. Like, and she, I think when they physically touch as well, yeah, right, it's yeah. stronger. Yes. So that like connection that she doesn't have with anyone else mm-hmm. just I nudged me, <laughs> nudged me towards thinking that and maybe because I was anticipating that mm-hmm. is the reason why I didn't feel any sort of like let down yeah at like thinking about Nick because yeah. I do like Nick yeah he's so likable right that's who he is but I do always gravitate gravitate towards like the unlikable character right that's just like who i am i i do too but i I just thought it was refreshing i was like a nice guy that stayed a nice guy yeah dad was secretly the bad guy right but he wasn't and i was like nice because i was like half expecting like i had my guard up a little bit yeah please don't become a tamlin that's all i ask i know i know (laughs) so i was glad for that but you did note that you kind of wanted to talk about the descriptions used for the initial meeting between Bree and Cell. Did you want to dig into that a little deeper? Oh, yeah. I think really... I've read my excerpt about her feelings between <laughs> her and Nick, so... We're having, we're having a, a crew spat. 
bad as our spats get. I think we're good. Listen, for real. Because <laughs> I'm sitting over here defending, the, uh, wanting her to be with Nick, fully knowing that you're very likely right. <laughs> uh, I... Uh, this is a burden I have to bear. <laughs> um, predicting books is, it's like a sport in my brain. I'm good at predicting shows, but books? Yeah. It just, it depends, but generally, like, at least certain things. Right, right. I, no, I you, have, you, have a, you have a good mind for it. Um, okay, so this is what Brie is thinking when she very first sees Cell after like when she's on the cliff she's thinking uh should I jump should I not and he's like I wouldn't do that if I were you (laughs) (laughs) this is his descriptor he is unsettlingly beautiful his face is aristocratic and sharp framed by high pale cheekbones the rest of his body is born from shadows black jacket black pants ink black hair that falls forward over his forehead and curls just below gauged ears, bearing small black rubber plugs. He couldn't be more than 18, but something about his features don't belong to a teenager. The cut of his jawline, the line of his nose. You don't notice that much about someone when you first see them. What a Mr. Darcy. (laughs) Yeah. I concede. He sounds like a straight-up fox, okay? (laughs) If I were an 18-year-old girl or an adult, because my husband has long dark hair and has head gauges and is covered in tattoos, so, you know. Hey. Cell would be my type. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I mean, same. Um, I just... It's really the... Not even necessarily seeing him and recognizing that he's beautiful. Right. Because there are so many people that you can look at and be objective and like, that is a beautiful person, but not be like drawn to them necessarily. But just the way that it describes it. Yes. The, she's unsettled by him. Mm -hmm. She notices that the rest of him is born of shadows. Yes. That just... Yeah, she has, like, an intuition about Yeah. Him. She yeah. notices characteristics about Nick as well, but... That is true. But not to that depth. It... So. Yeah. It just... It feels... Sometimes you read something, it just feels very, like, intimate. Yeah. And I feel like that passage feels very intimate. Yes. Kind of like whenever we read Dorian Gray and all of those, like times basil talks about dorian yes just yes. feels so like i'm yeah. intruding on this and i'm not trying to compare everything to agatar but he 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 gives me resand vibes 100%. yeah he does where yeah i think a little of his like tough exterior is a yeah. facade yeah much like resand right right yeah but no sure. i i really like cell as a character he has his own griefs and yeah emotional and you know maybe literal demons that he's that he's fighting against yeah so yeah, yeah. i mean he, and he has a de- he has a depth and a complication to him which yeah is always attractive it but is it's not attractive. And done in a way where it's like oh i can fix him it's just sort yeah. of like they move past their own crap yeah and see each other and start helping each other and that's what brings yeah. them closer yeah which i like it feels very like a camaraderie mm-hmm. sort of especially at the end because yes. they're they both know that they have to find Nick. Yes. And both of them love Nick in their way. Right. And there's even a part 
where Cell tells Bree that when they were young, he had, like, an actual crush on Nick. I forgot about that. Yeah. Because we also didn't talk about whenever she visits Cell in his room. Uh-huh. To actually go to the Davises. Yeah. And, uh... Just because there's so much, we just had to hit the main highlights. Yeah, but I really like the scene where she goes to his tower and mm-hmm. they talk in his room. Yeah. And... uh, he's shirtless out of the shower so obviously she notices and he's got like tats right so of course right but and then he like piggybacks her because he like has oh and they even got she he was like like that basically saying like like in twilight because he had her like scooped like yeah he was gonna carry her bridal over the threshold and she's like Nah, like just yeah, put I'll, me on your back. I'll piggyback. Right, and he's like, like that, basically, like Twilight. And she's mm-hmm. like, just shut up and do it. Yeah, yeah. So because he kind of has like things too, right? I think his canines are a little bit pointy. Pointy, yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah, but yeah. So they even make that reference and like scoff at it a little bit, which I yeah. thought you would enjoy. I did enjoy it for sure. But, yeah, like, that scene between them is pretty charged as well. Yeah. Not because he's shirtless. No, but no. Just because the of, emotion of the, the emotion of, of the scene. Of the, what he's, they're uncovering. Yeah, and he's, like, in on her secret now. Right. He knows about her mom, and he's helping her, essentially. But she also feels a little right. guilty because Nick was the one who's going to, like, find out about right. her mom she with her. She wanted to do it with Nick, yeah. So, and I thought that it was at least cool that she sort of recognized that. She, yeah, she does. Um, and even at the gala, they do have um, a moment where she even acknowledges, like, something passes between her and yeah. Cell, but not something that they would ever, not maybe never discuss, but, like... They're ignoring it, right? Essentially, that's like right. you, you, f- and it's like I, I see something, I send something, but um, I'm with Nick. This is, yeah, so we're pushing, <laughs> we're pushing, we're suppressing it, right, right? And I think in that moment where she's dancing with Sal at the gala, I think there's a part of Nick that sees it too, yeah. So, uh, it's kind of yeah. like, but Nick doesn't fly off the handle jealous necessarily right though he does get i will admit he gets a little jerky to sell but i really think that he only does that because he thinks sell is like way out of line Mm -hmm. in his pursuit of calling brie a demon and like won't believe who she says she is yeah and even though she is hiding some things it's not not what what he he thinks thinks. so all of nick's Anger and aggression are purely like, dude, you're being nuts, and yeah. I need you just quit. To stop just trying quit. to kill this girl. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Preach, dude. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm really curious about how their uh, little triangle is going to play out right. because just thinking about it, and then it just makes me think of Akatar for sure. Yeah, like the the their little triangle there because. I mean... I hope it resolves a lot better than that one did, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, like, in that one, you have a mating bond, so how... You can't deny a mating bond, like... Yeah. Well, you can if you're... Uh, okay, I can't say. Spoiler alert. So, never mind. You can. You don't have... It doesn't have to be 
romantic. You don't have to give in to it. Even you can right. be mates, but not because I don't know which. How far have you gotten book wise? Oh, I've read them all. Oh, you did read them all. Okay. Yeah. But for the listeners, I mean, I'm sure maybe, I don't know if you read, I don't want to spoil Yeah. a whole nother series. We'll talk about legend board, but there is a, there are two characters in Akatar that are, uh, mates. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like open to it and almost pretty much like really likes the other one. And the other one is like, no. Yeah. And I think that character may actually have feelings for another who yeah. doesn't have a mate, I don't think. Yeah. So. I don't know. Being mates doesn't necessarily mean it has to, there is 100% you have to give into this romantic bond or that you automatically have romantic feelings. Yeah. But a third party. Nice. Yeah. Right. A third party can't deny the mating bond. True. So I like guess. when you have like Feyre and Rhysand and their mm-hmm. mates, Tamlin can't do anything. Right. Even though there's nothing, there's nothing he can do about it. He has no, yeah, he has no right to pull them apart. So, like, if there's clearly some current between Bree and Cell, and I wonder if at one point there's just not going to be any denying it for Nick. Oh yeah, like Nick might just concede and be like, "Listen, I." Hopefully, there's no infidelity. Hopefully, it's just sort I of can't like... See that I don't see that happening either. The way that these characters respect each other so much. Yeah. Um, in a way, in the in the way that they do. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I hope it's more of a, like, it just... Nothing romantic happens. He just sees their bond become closer and maybe his and Bree's um, not necessarily lessens, but maybe shifts into something less romantic yeah or something who knows who not i mean <laughs> they twist on you and sell it <laughs> <Selling Nick. Nick. laughs> uh i mean whatever dude i would you know sell had the crush but he did he did but we don't we don't we don't know about nick i'm gonna guess not he probably saw him as an annoying brother in a competition yeah i think he, it i think sell says that he told Nick. He did? And, yeah. And I couldn't Nick remember. Was like, I remember Sorry, the no. reveal of emotion, but I, I didn't yeah. remember if Nick ever knew. Yeah, I think so. And Nick was kind of like, sorry, dude, I don't feel that way about you. Friend zone, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Sorry. But um, I guess we... We can talk about Bree and Nick's relationship just a little bit and then we can shift. Um, I just feel like they have a very good give and take, very respectful of each other, very Mm -hmm. protective of each other. Yeah, they are. If, you know, one is getting snatched, the other one's trying to save them or is getting injured, the other one's trying to help protect and care for them. I feel like there's a good give and take. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, Bree's helpless and and vice versa. Nick's not helpless either. They're both powerful in their own way and they I just feel like they have a good respect and and care for each other so yeah I, I agree just, I like that I think that they have a, yeah. a pretty good healthy thing going on they do I, and also their little uh like the beginning when they after they first meet and she's like first getting into the order and he's like texting her mm-hmm. and it's really like cute oh and I like this boy mm-hmm. uh it just feels very innocent and sweet mm-hmm. it 
in genuine. The, in genuine. In the middle of like a story that has a lot of heaviness. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of levity, yeah. especially uh, a lot of the themes of this book are, you know, you have to sit in your discomfort for a while, mm-hmm. like while as Bree's like learning about her past mm-hmm. and how the like practice of slavery is like really, it's really essentially prevented all of her ancestors from growing up with their mothers. Right. So you have like, themes like that that are super dark and, and then, heavy and then just the reminders all throughout campus and yeah. order and and all that yeah but it's never mentioned between nick and brie it's it's not right like, oh he's white and she's black it's that's it for them they're it's just yeah. about their relationship they yeah their their race isn't mentioned that's mm-hmm. not a topic of race like other parts of the right book are. yeah yeah, she doesn't feel separated from Nick simply because they are different races. Right. So, and the, so their relationship kind of almost operates a little bit in a vacuum because it feels separate from everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty accurate. Like, yeah. whenever you, like, are first, you first meet someone and you, like, like them, especially when you're 16 years old, yeah. everything else kind of falls away when you're with them yes so it felt really accurate to experience wise Mm -hmm. and also gave you a little bit of levity from even when they were in peril it's like that was the order business but when it was just the two of them you got those nice little sweet moments yeah yeah so it was like sprinkled in there really nicely in between having to you know go through the breeze grief and that's difficult. Yeah. And especially if you have like personal experience with something like that, it's difficult to read yeah. that yeah. back and you're living what you went through right. while you're reading the character right. go right. through that. So right. that's difficult, but it's also really cathartic in a way because yeah. it's written so well. So well. And you added this quote and I thought it was a good embodiment of um, a lot of the expression of grief. Uh, it says, my mother's life has stopped. Shouldn't everything and everyone stop living too? Like, that's, yeah. that's I mean, just the, those two sentences are very powerful and a very good yeah. sum of how she feels. Yeah, and I think that... Before she has closure. But yeah, I think that's that feeling is universal especially if you're losing a parent yeah uh i remember leaving the hospital after we lost angel and it was that exact feeling like we walked out into the parking lot of the hospital dakota had come to pick me up and there was just people walking around like doing their everyday shit Mm -hmm. like yeah getting gas at quick trip and it feels very surreal to be like my entire world just changed how how are you not affected by this right but they have no idea right Right. because it's yours so it's like the perfect description of how that feels yeah Yeah. so and even um as someone outside of that type of grief it kind of shows you how that cookie cutter sort of response even as well intended as it is yeah can still be 
empty. Yeah. So you really, you need to become vulnerable too and not just spout something to make yourself feel better to move on and be like, Mm -hmm. check, I did the nice thing. Check, I said the thing I'm supposed to say. Yeah. You know, not that she vilifies necessarily mm-hmm. people for doing so, but it, it does shed a light on it where it's like, sorry for your loss. And you are sorry for that person's loss. Mm-hmm. But also, like Brela, you know, repeats it. I didn't. She's not lost. Mm-hmm. She's not lost. She's gone. Yeah. And it just kind of makes you think about, like, choose your words more thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. And like I said, maybe be more vulnerable with a person and just say, like, I... I want to say something to you that's going to comfort you. And I don't have that, but I'm here for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, um, it, again, it's the, uh, people's inability to sit in their own discomfort. Right. Cause that's what it is. Whenever you are like are face to face with someone who's just been through, uh, actual real life trauma, mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable. So you're going to say anything to ease your own discomfort. Right. So saying that little line, Mm -hmm. I guess, works in that way when really you could just say, I have no idea what to say. Right. Or even like, I think someone goes, that really sucks. Right. And she she was like bracing herself for, I'm sorry for your loss, you know, and they were just like, that sucks. And she was just like, yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I mean... We all do it, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, acknowledging. Yeah. 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 I, I just, like I said, it, it kind of made me really think about that too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it sounds silly, but like, I will be more mindful of how I approach someone who's grieving. Yeah. You know? So. It's tough. I feel like that it just, she just does such a good job of letting you see into the heart and feelings and minds of people. And it just gives you Mm -hmm. a different perspective emotionally. And I just, yeah, she just writes really well and I, from different perspectives and yeah, I just, I felt it was very impactful while still being an incredible fantasy book at that. So it, it, it hit so many different things yeah. And did them all so well. I know. It was it was straight up bliss. But yeah. Did you I feel like you had a good handle on like the before and after Brie. Did you want to talk about those at all? Um, I mean, I think before and after Brie are it's an interesting element that uh, is really more important for the beginning of the book because she's yeah. uh, built the wall inside mm-hmm. of herself as like a protection self-preservation and it slips sometimes yeah she's trying really hard yeah so she's trying to you know she after brie is the brie who like comes up in anger and comes up in defense and she tries to keep her suppressed but she can't always do that but after she gets her mom's bracelet and the closure and stuff then she's just brie but because I feel like, do, do you get the sense that, like, she doesn't feel like she's allowed to be before Brie anymore? Yes. You know? Yeah. Because this horrible thing happened. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the the the, the closure. And um, and then that, yeah, that resolution. She's like, I'm just Brie now. Mm-hmm. Which is really, really, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I yeah. Agree. I love the moment with the mom. 
Um, I, I know I would love to just sit here and read you the whole thing, but I just, I just thought it was neat because she's, she sits down a young Brie and is like, okay, I'm going to say these things to you and you're going to be confused, but I'm just, I'm just practicing on you, but this message is for someone else, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit of a fib. It is for someone else, but it's just Brie when she's older. Yeah. Um, but I thought even like the little interjections of young Brie were like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, I thought those were kind of, it was kind of like sad, but cute, you know, and mm-hmm. just the things that her mom had to say and was trying to tell her. I just, I just thought that scene was super cool. Yeah. I just, I, I really liked reading it. I agree. I think it was really, really well done. Yeah. And like I said, other than sitting here and just reading it too, I just don't feel like yeah. I could like fully explain or discuss it. It's just, I, I. That was that was one of my favorite scenes, and it revealed right a lot. And like I said, it gave Brie that that closure that she needed. Yeah, you know, yeah, that really could have only come like from that because what she's searching for with the order is answers, and also uh, I don't know revenge, I guess, yeah. or justice yeah. for wrongs yeah. done. Yeah. But in the end, yeah. really all she needed was that resolution with her mom. Right. I think she just needed a connection with her, especially yeah. because they were fighting and not really talking before her mom died. Right. And so I think she just needed to, to experience the love mm-hmm. from her mom and like, you know, not have her last memory of her mom be, animosity and mm-hmm. yeah so I mean obviously she could have worked through her grief the normal way and therapy and all that stuff but I thought this was just really beautiful poetic mm-hmm. and you know I, I, I just I liked it I liked yeah, it she could have suffered longer into the other books but again because we have magic she was able to have that like have a uh, you know that meeting with her mom in a way and yeah I, I just really liked it yeah it was a really good scene and it just whenever I picture the scene in my head of her like sitting down opening the box with the bracelet mm-hmm. and then the memory like coming out yeah it just like felt I don't know I could see it in my head yeah like, yeah. like just light coming out mm-hmm. and then like being almost like having that scene like almost be projected on like yeah. Kind of like smoke, but be very clear and just kind of, yeah. 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 Very cool. So another word to the studios who hope to make this into a show. Mm-hmm. If you, if you fuck this scene up, like <laughs> you <laughs> fucked the whole thing. We'll be so upset with you. <laughs> that's when you're really going to get inundated with the emails. Right. <laughs> so just fair warning. Right. And speak, and so we've got that memory, but then I thought all the memory walking was really cool too. Yeah. Even so, though some of the scenes were horrific and sad, like I just thought that the, that, that use of magic was cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that connection with other people in the lineage were cool. And even mm-hmm. like her time walking or memory walking with Patricia's family, because I guess we didn't really say that in detail in the synopsis, but like, yeah, Patricia kind of helps kind of shows her memory walking with her ancestors first mm-hmm. since Brie doesn't have a connection with her own. Right. And even in Brie's magic affects how Patricia's memory walking works because usually memory walking, they aren't a, other aware. than the one that's like pulled you in, right? They're not mm-hmm. aware of you. You're just 
there to watch it as it happens. Mm -hmm. Whereas Patricia's first ancestor brings Brie into this first scene. And that was the scene where they were doctoring that, that woman that had been whipped. Mm -hmm. And then someone else in the memory turned their attention to Brie and Patricia's like, that doesn't happen. And they, they pulled Brie deeper and Patricia was kind of sent back Mm -hmm. or whatever. So she brought Brie to that memory of then the woman having the crossroads child. And then another ancestor grabbed Brie and took her even further back. And then that one was the, yeah. Then the, the gate, the gate. Yeah. Um, so I, one, I just thought it's cool magic. And then Mm -hmm. I liked that Brie's magic even affected how that normally works. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was cool that, Bree's marriage of these two different types of magic that should not blend mm-hmm. was powerful enough or just, I don't know, just, I just like that it has an effect on other magic mm-hmm. in unexpected ways. I just yeah. thought it was super cool. It is very cool. Very cool for sure. And a branch off of like the memory walking is the like, ancestral connection that they have mm-hmm. with like through the ages of yeah. a family. Yeah. And I feel like Brie Brie's isolation from her family is a direct result of the actions of Samuel Davis. Yeah. In his attack on Vera, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And I think that Tracy Dion is really using this to illustrate the ways in real history Mm -hmm. that the practice of slavery did literally deprive people of their own intergenerational connections. I think Brie even says that. Yeah. A lot of people don't have like a book of full like generations. Yeah. Like uh, what do they call those? Um, Family trees and stuff like that. Like, you know, they were scattered and and just so they weren't able to have those connections and look back and have records and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and what a horrible travesty that is yeah because it is a ripple effect you know people still like look at their family line only goes so far back that they can trace and then beyond that it's and they have no idea. Of course, yeah. you could do 23 and Me and all this, but, I mean, you know. What that, is, that connection is important to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's who you are, mm-hmm. at least part of who you are. So, yeah. I the way that she, like, uses the magic and the memory walking and Bree's family to, like, make that point yeah. is really beautifully done, for yes, sure. Yes, absolutely. And even the way that she describes Rootcraft and Bloodcraft, now kind of Patricia's, like, Bloodcraft is usually colonizer magic, I think yeah, is what she called it. she does. So I thought the description was really interesting, and it just furthers that illustration that you were kind of talking about. Mm-hmm. It says, power taken, not returned, incurs a debt. And the universe and the debt will always come to collect one way or another. So it's like blood craft. It's like it talks about like the taking and especially Mm -hmm. talking about it being colonizer magic. That's what colonizers did. They took. Yeah. 
So whereas the root craft was like really based in making connection with yeah. your family. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Just another just another way she illustrated that, just between the two different magics even. Yeah. And yeah. and letting Brie be a a blending of a blending the two. of them them both. Yeah. And how that blending occurred in that right. woman's desperation and just Yeah. And also I think that also illustrates people in today's society because now we're so many generations past the colonizing and all of the atrocities that happened then and through slavery and all of that we're so many generations past it now that a lot of people alive today are a blend Mm -hmm. of both sides of the coin yeah so She's doing, she's doing some work here. Yeah. No, again, like every, the, from the, the fun and the magic to the grief and the sorrow and the, all the historicals, it just, she wrote everything so well and Mm -hmm. made this whole world like so rich and understandable and you could feel it from whatever character she was giving you. Yeah. At the moment, like Mm -hmm. so good. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. I really, before I read it, I had been, obviously had been seeing it on TikTok. And I, it was super, like, even then, it's hyped a lot now still, but even then it was, like, really hyped. And I was like, can this be that good? Yeah. This, I, because obviously everyone says this is YA, this is YA, because mm-hmm. especially on TikTok, like, a lot of people who are reading fantasy are reading just, like, fantasy smut. smut. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're looking for. (laughs) So people have to come with that disclaimer. Like, this is YA. Right. You're not going to find any of that here. Right. So I knew it was YA in my thought not that why it can't be good mm-hmm. but i just thought am i gonna enjoy this that when you much you think of ya does your brain automatically think twilight <laughs> or something no or like that caliber of story um i don't is that do you think that's your hesitation i don't not know i don't know guys I am. The it's a guilty pleasure movie marathon for me. So I've only ever seen the I'll first. I'll fully put it out there. Yeah. You, you know what? I just realized that I have a, a bad habit of only watching the first films of things. <laughs> I only watch the first Fantastic Beasts. I only watch the first of the Hobbits. Listen. And I only watched the first Twilight. <laughs> Especially for Fantastic Beasts, the first one is the best. But Jacob Kowalski is such a treasure that I will trudge through the other ones just for him. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. But yeah, no, hey, just like the first episode of Discovery, you know, you either feel the vibe or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Why why make yourself suffer? <sighs> That's okay. true. That's true. And see, at least with like Fantastic Beasts, it's not it's not a book series, so I have literally no connection to it. I have no right. like there there's I have no dog in the race. Right. And even that had some wild things in it that I was like, I think you're breaking the rules of the magic system that was made in Harry Potter, but I felt like that watching the first one, yeah. honestly. And JK, I think, was, like, part of the writing team and stuff, so I'm very <sighs> That's confused. so disappointing. Joe, come on. Joanne. <laughs> <laughs> 
just I'm gonna I just pretend like those don't exist they're not canon for me so I just Cursed Child is also not canon oh my me toss and all that this is not a Harry Potter talk no it isn't let me tell you did you read Cursed Child no don't I yeah it has no just no it probably is a musical it's it's enjoyable but reading it, it breaks so many rules of time turners. Uh, it turns Harry into a douchebag dad, which I don't think that he would be. I know every no. every person has their bad day, but yeah, um, that. And then what they do with like Ron and Hermione's relationship, I don't buy it. So get out. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. like maybe one cool thing like near the end or something, but like no, yeah. just no, not canon. Yeah. I will shoot it out of a cannon into the ocean, never to be seen again. I didn't like it. Yeah. I bought the book. I have it sitting in the back of my cabinet. I'm waiting to use it for a craft of some kind. I just haven't decided what yet. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Nope. 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 (laughs) I reject it. But yeah. I I clearly reject it a little too, too, uh, wholeheartedly. (laughs) It just, you know, I, Whenever we experience the characters for so long and then you are given something so many years later mm-hmm. that comes out so long afterwards mm-hmm. and it just makes these characters into people that they're not, it yep. just, um, it's a big fat no from me. Unacceptable. So, yeah, it's not canon. It was not written by Joanne. Mm-hmm. So, I know that her name is on it, but yeah. it was written by playwrights. Right. So, right. it was not written by her, no. and so I reject it. Um, sorry. Right. Not and sorry And even at all. doing the Fantastic Beasts, I mean, I, we can't even say, like, what producers decide. Like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, you know? So yeah. I, I can't blame her for all the, you know, quote-unquote rule-breaking and. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she made the world, then she can change worlds as she sees fit. I just, there were some inconsistencies that irked me, but I did like the first Fantastic Beast. The other ones just get a little wild. Yeah. Yeah. Storyline wise, it just, mm-hmm. it's not as cohesive. There are right. bright spots for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially in the last one. Um, mm-hmm. There was a new character that I really liked. I forget her name, but she was delightful. And then, as I said, Jacob Kowalski, Treasure Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I threw in the towel after the first Hobbit because you already Stop knew it. it wasn't going to follow the book. Yeah, it it's it, it was completely different, and it was not the Hobbit. So why do I need to watch the rest? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first Twilight, I hated. Yeah, I read all of the Twilight books because I'm not a quitter. Right. When it comes to books, movies, clearly I am. I am. I, I will say, I think we need to at least watch this one scene in the last movie because it's so sick. <laughs> and I won't make you watch any more of it. <laughs> if we ever decide to actually read the Twilight books for the show, then I will watch the movies. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Painful face she made, you guys. I wish you could see it. It's what's weird is a book is so much more of a time commitment than a movie. Mm -hmm. But I have no qualms in reading rereading books that I know I do not enjoy. You could you can probably more easily forget a jumble of words that you didn't enjoy than forgetting images that were blasted into your eyeballs. Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe. I don't know. But because you can just replace those words in your brain with new words from a new book. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I think there's also a little bit of like a, like a hate read that I have in my heart sometimes, too. <laughs> there's like the satisfaction of experiencing it again and like just reaffirming that I'm not just being ridiculous. Yeah. This really is that bad, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> just con- reconfirming. Right. right. Like when I found out that Tom Barber used to be the front man of Lorna Shore, mm-hmm. like old Lorna Shore, I've never liked. Uh-huh. I hadn't, didn't know any of the members of that band, but mm-hmm. Dakota's always liked them. Yeah. And for the longest time, I was just like, I don't, I don't really. That's not, that doesn't sound like my what I like to listen to right. when it comes to metal. Right. And so when he first joined Chelsea Grin after they like kicked out Alex Kohler, mm-hmm. and I'm an Alex Kohler girly. So when they like shafted him mm-hmm. and Tom was their new frontman, I was like salty. Yeah. And then I found out that he was the lead singer of Lorna Shore back in the day. I was like justice. I knew I didn't. I like knew this that I didn't prefer him. <laughs> I knew it. So I don't like this guy. It's that sentiment. And he also looks like no. I'm not trying to be vain, but I am. He looks like Gollum. <laughs> okay. When oh not. <laughs> He looks like Gollum after he's spent just a few years under the Misty Mountains, but not all the years. You know what I mean? He's still got, like, the hair still. He's not fully, like, wispy, but... I'm going to have to look up a picture of this guy. (laughs) Maybe it's just me. I'm just being a brat. Calling a real person (laughs) saying that they look like Gollum, like... (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry, sir, if that is true. <laughs> That's oh, a true man. nerd insert, insult right there. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You look like Smeagol turning into gum. <laughs> yeah. How long have you lived under the Misty Mountains? Are you mid-transformation? <laughs> That's exactly... Yeah. It, it, I'm oh, just saying. I, I really think that that one is perfect because it's subtle. It's like, how long have you been under the Misty Mountains? I like that. <laughs> that might be my new one. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Gosh. I love insulting people with literature. Literature. Um, Was there any other topics you wanted to touch on that we didn't? I don't think so. I think we touched on all, like, the majors. Yeah. So, I think maybe we could give our, like, final thoughts and maybe a prediction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to go first? Um, sure. I gave this a five out of five, obviously. (laughs) Um, I loved the whole thing. It's, uh, has depth and levity and it's happy and sad and everything. It captures every human emotion that exists Mm -hmm. and does it expertly. Um, The magic is very cool and unique Mm -hmm. and I love an Arthurian legend. Yes. It's always enjoyable so you get a little bit of familiarity in this brand new world which Mm -hmm. also is cool. Yes. So just everything about it is excellent and 
If you haven't read it and you've listened all the way to thus far, first of all, what are you doing? <laughs> That's silly. But go back and read it for sure. Absolutely. It's a rereader, hands down. Yes. I mean, I've already read it twice, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to go listen to the audiobook now so I can yeah. see. Because something this full yeah. requires multiple yeah, reads yeah, to yeah, yeah. fully understand. Oh, yeah. But, um,. I let you go first, one, because I knew you were going to say everything perfectly, and two, because I agree 100%. So, and I already said throughout, I gushed. Yeah. Throughout, I, so, yeah. Five out of five for me. Ditto everything Maddie just said. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's pretty clear through both the synopsis and mm-hmm. this that we really loved this one. Yeah. And this might be, actually, this is the first one that's not a Harry Potter that we both gave five out of five yes. on. I think most of the other books we've given different scores. Yeah. I think The Hobbit, did you give it 5 out of 5 or did we do, both do like a 4.5? Um, I think I gave it a 5. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I think I was torn between the two because I was like, it's a 5. But I remember there were moments where I was like, all right, already. Yeah. So, that, but yeah, I mean, very easily. Yeah. That could be. I think a five for me, but I think I did give it a 4.5. Yeah, I think should have been like a 4.75. <laughs> right. Freaking Goodreads. Come on. I know. Um, I don't I, need a, a 4.81. That's ridiculousness. But quarter quarters. Yeah. yeah. Give me some Come quarters. on. Um, or just let people type them in. Yeah. Just let me put a number in. Right. That's all I'm saying. But I think whenever I think of The Hobbit, I rank it. With, I feel like the whole story from The Hobbit through Return of the King yeah. is a five out of five. And so I'm always going to give them all fives. Absolutely. And then, but whenever you rank them in their own hierarchy, you have right. your favorites. Right. Just I, like I Harry like Potter. A, I felt like a fraud um, giving it a 4.5. I was like, <laughs> I, don't know. I I feel bad about it. And I really feel like it should be a five. I just felt like that was my truth at the time. Yeah, it makes sense. But... Yeah. Like yeah. I said, it could easily be a five, but yeah, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter notwithstanding, this is our first. This is our first five. 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 Yeah, because you always knew that those other ones were fives. Right. Yeah, this is our first five. Mm-hmm. This is a collective, unanimous, well deserved. Yeah, tens across the board, Tracy, you talented lady. Please keep writing. Oh my God, please. Is the third one out yet? Mm-mm. I don't know if there is a third one. I don't know if this is just a duology oh. or if it's like going to be longer. I don't know. Gotcha. So hopefully. Yeah. I mean. What is your predictions besides? Besides selling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's very hard to say. Obviously we're going to get Camlin. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really, uh, I know there are a few things we know and I think, Obviously, it's one is Camlin and two is Selwyn's mom is going to pop back up. Yes. I can't I'm wait to see sure. that. I'm pretty sure. I can't wait to see that. Um, and I'm wondering if Nick's mom is going to come back up because we've already seen Brie heal Alice restore from memory, memory loss. So she could, I thought right. that while we were talking about it, I wonder if she could restore Nick's mom's memories. Right. So are we going to get... So we've already got like Brie's had her connection to her mom restored mm-hmm. she's gotten resolution and closure and she feels at peace i am hoping that we're going to get that for cell and nick too yeah so we we started the book motherless 
And hopefully by the end of the story, however many books there are, we at least everyone has at least the truth of their mothers. Yeah, that would be really cool. So that's what I'm hoping for. And it just dawned on me they all have, while they all have a similar loss of their mother or some sort of loss of their mother, they all have different relationships with their father. Mm -hmm. Selwyn doesn't know his. Nyx is obviously a jacked up. Yeah. And then Breeze is really a great father. Yeah. And loving and incredible. Such a good guy. Yeah. So um, I think that's interesting. But I yeah, agree. I would like to see the mother resolution for the, for the two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to learn more about the Merlins and how the... I feel like maybe the book said more than maybe I caught. But yeah, I would like to learn more about like the demon blood in, in the line of Merlins. Mm-hmm. And like just uh, more information about that. Yeah. Um, for sure. And then yeah, I can't wait to see Sal's mom come back in. I hope she's not crazy like they say or like part of the more gains. Or maybe I wonder if the more gains will actually, I mean, I doubt it, but I wonder if they actually won't be bad, but they'll be like a separate sect that's trying to stop the order mm-hmm. because the order like Nick's dad was trying to force Camlin or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of, I, I wonder, I feel like we're going to obviously see the more gains and I can't yeah. wait to kind of learn more about them to see if they really are bad mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. And I thought that was cool too, because the more gains are like Morgana mm-hmm. from the Arthurian legend. So yeah. 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 I, uh, I'm interested to see that for sure. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like just continuing to unravel. Yeah. And it's going to be just really, really cool. And I also am interested. I think one thing that sells mom coming, coming back into the story, what she's going to show us is do Merlin's actually go like insane without right. an oath? And probably not. And I think we all, I it think to it's keep no. them on leash. Yeah, I, it's kind kind of hinted at towards yes. the end yes. that maybe the oath is really just to control their power. Agreed. But yeah, so I think we're gonna get some confirmation of that too. As many reveals as we got in this book, I feel like we've bar- we've just scratched. The oh surface, yeah, we're just so. getting started here. I am wondering if it just dawned on me that perhaps. Brie and Cell's, like, way, uh, like, a window to being together is, like, Nick is lost in battle or something. Ooh, maybe Nick dies? Maybe. You know what? I am not opposed to a main character death. Yeah. Uh, it just struck me. It would be horrifying if yeah. Nick died, though. Yeah. Yeah, that, that dark crap came from me. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think back to Arthurian legend. And I'm trying to think if Lancelot dies to save Arthur in Arthurian legend. I, yeah, I don't remember. That would be wild if Lancelot, if Nick dies to save Brie, Lancelot for Arthur. Does he? Because Lancelot and um, Guinevere run away, but does Lancelot come back and then to like to fight and then he dies? I don't. I know that Arthur and Lancelot have like fight yeah. there there are some like knights that are with Lancelot and yeah. then Arthur has his knights yeah. and they fight yeah. but I don't know I've even seen the musical <sighs> and I just don't well and, and I any like the there are different accounts of Arthurian legends so some of them say different things too mm-hmm. damn it I'm gonna look this up I have to know where are you internet googling googling 
And we've already twisted the Arthur Guinevere ah, Lancelot thing ah, in his head, so. It is. Lancelot's first death was a sacrifice after he made a promise to Guinevere to protect Arthur. Boomski. So he did come back to protect Arthur. My brain is better than I thought. Ew. <laughs> oh, no. Prepare your hearts, folks. <laughs> but she'll probably do something unexpected, just like she did with yeah. creepy Arthur. Yeah. What if, what if you lose Cell? We riot in these streets. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, um, well, I think one of your dies too in the story at some point. Or, nope, nope. She becomes a nun and joins a convent. After Lancelot, Lancelot's death. After her and Lancelot are exposed. Oh. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, she never actually, her and Lancelot don't actually, like, go and be together yeah. separate from them. Once they're called out, they're like, Ooh. Yeah. She's, like, very penitent. Mm. I'm trying to remember. It's in the story of Tristan and Isolde. Mm. I think Isolde dies. And Tristan also dies. Yeah, that's why I didn't watch that movie. I was like, uh, nah. <laughs> I have the book um, over there somewhere or over here. It's I could tell somewhere. it was sad. And I was like, mm, no, It's very know. sad. <laughs> it's very sad. Which, interestingly, um, the story of Tristan and Isolde is... Uh, what inspires the movie Legends of the Fall? Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. I don't. Uh, I don't remember what the love interest in Legends of the Fall's name is, but you know she's married to his brother, right? And she's in love with Tristan because. Duh. Is that what happens in Tristan and Isolde? Yeah, well, it's very Arthurian because Tristan is like the. Um, He's not a knight for the king, mm-hmm. but he was raised by the king because his father was killed when he was a very young boy. And so he's been brought up. He's this really great warrior. And the king sends him to this tourney. Mm-hmm. And the prize for the man who wins the tourney is Isolde oh. as his bride. But he's there representing the king. Mm. So Tristan wins Isolde for his king, but he... When he sees her, he recognizes her mm. as he was wounded in, like, a uh, battle months previous, and mm. she had nursed him back to health. Mm. And so he has just won this woman mm-hmm. whom he is in love with for his king. Ah. Ooh. His king who raised him as a son. Oh. So. That's awful. It is. It's lovely to read, though. And the movie is very good, too. Is it? I loved the movie. Doesn't it have... Yes. <laughs> Franco. Franco. I was yeah. like, not Frankie. <laughs> yeah. James. Franco yes, James. is Tristan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. It's it's a it's a really good movie. I love a period piece. Um, but the, the book is also very... This, that whole story is very good. It's super Arthurian. It's very King Arthur, Lancelot, Guinevere. But sad. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> Which I know Arthurian legend is also sad, but yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I can't. I, I can't rectify the two statements of I love Arthurian legend stuff. I don't like sad things though. Like yeah, it's hard. But you know, I had. I just had to lean in. Everything. All of my favorite things, for the most part, are mm-hmm. just a little sad. Yeah. Like uh, you know, Harry Potter is sad at the end. True. Uh, my favorite character dies. Right. So that's sick. Game of Thrones is just a depressed fest. Right. Start to finish. Right. 
So, but there's gotta be it's balance. So good. There, there, there just needs to be some balance. If there's balance, yeah. great. If it's just sad to be sad, goodbye. I think what balances the whole A Song of Ice and Fire series mm-hmm. is not there are not really moments of levity, mm-hmm. and there's not a ton of uh, ha- like overtly happy things. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason it doesn't feel too heavy handed is because of the fantasy elements, mm-hmm. like uh, the dragons mm-hmm. and um, the dire wolves that mm-hmm. the Starks have. Mm-hmm. I think that is the balance. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's never, though, like, it's not like in Harry Potter where you actually get actual pockets of joy. Mm. There aren't any. (laughs) Your joy is seeing cool creatures. Yes, it it. is. That's it. (laughs) It sounds so, it's so hard to describe, but it's just, I think the reason it's so good is because, one, it is well-written, but also reading something that full. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard to find that anywhere else, a world that just feels so full. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, here we are at the end. <laughs> we will do Blood Marked at some point in the future. It, it, I think I had like on the list, but not until next year. We, we might pop it in sooner. We'll see. Yeah, we're making changes as we see fit. Right. So but The next book is going to be Fellowship of the Ring. What? When she mentioned Lord of the, when we were talking about Lord of the Rings and Hobbit earlier, I almost started talking about the, the Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring. And I was like, nope. Save nope. it. Save it. So nope. that's the next book. Yeah. Excite. Mucho excite. Yes. So you be looking forward to that yeah and you know rate us review us send us an email yeah what did you guys think of legendborn um i'm sure that most if not all of you are gonna have the same reaction that we did i would hope so it's it's excellently written so good um so yeah let us know about that all the tunes and artwork are a full collab of the wrb yep we so. too, the WRB crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's going on a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. So. Until next time, have more than you show, speak less than you know, and read books. Okay, goodbye. Bye.